and welcome to episode number Fitu of Code with Kingy, where I was meant to be covering four games over the course of the weekend, but of course that was then cut down to three in the wake of uh, the coronavirus and the Hagawaiis and Hollanders game being cancelled. So yeah, a bit of a light one again for me, but anyway, we'll start things off with Friday Night Lights, where the Chiefs were at home to the Hurricanes, and it was fullback Jordy Barrett who showed the same calmness he once exemplified when eating a McDonald's burger in a random Dunedin flat when he kicked a seed right through the uprights on full time to give the visitors a 27-24 dub. Now the game's first points did go to the away side with the Hurricanes working a line-out strike which exposed a defensive lapse at the tail of the Chiefs line-out. Uh, it was TJ Perinara who made the initial break, and the ball then went through Nani Lamapi's hands, then through Barrett's hands, before making its way out to Lamb to ground it in the end goal on the left flank. This score was then answered by the smiling assassin Damian McKenzie when he struck a penalty goal, but then that was then closely followed by a pick-and-go try to Mr. Steal Your Pill, Lachlan Beauchere. Mulu Fletcher-Smith regained the lead for the Hurricanes after sliding his way past a big bopper in the defensive line, and with that, he gave his team a four-point buffer at the break. Now, needing to score next, Tamua Manu found himself under the black dot after receiving a trademark Aaron Cruden offload and beating both Perinara and Barrett on his way to the chalk. The Canes halfback looked to make up for his missed tackle by laying a hit on winger Solomon Alamolo, only for his shot to catch the winger on the way down and earn himself a yellow card. Now the Chiefs made the most of the numerical advantage when winger Sean Stevenson crossed for his score with the converted try extending their lead to 10. Barrett would keep his side in the contest though with another penalty goal but then it was reserve hooker Asafu Amor who barged his way over from a rolling mall and gave his fullback a chance to tie the game. Barrett made no mistake from the tee just outside the 15 and locked the scores up at 24 apiece. Now we'll fast forward to the full-time hooter and it's then the yellow team who are camped inside the Chiefs' 10 meter line looking to draw a penalty. And after working through 36 phases, the full-arm whistle finally came when Peter Sawakula, the Chiefs' number 8, tackled Alex Fido late. Upward step Barrett to kick the game-winning goal and as mentioned, the hamburger, hamburger, hamburglar clutched it. Now despite losing their captain after conceding a try and then following that with another concession of a try, the Hurricanes hung around in this contest through the boot of Jordy Barrett and a tenaciousness bit of defence. Between the 58th minute and the 69th minute, the Chiefs looked to land that final sort of killer blow, but just couldn't find a hole in a line that was forced to go above and beyond. Historically, the visitors aren't known for going when the situation gets tough, only it appears they may have turned a new leaf with the new decade. While their lineup could still use a bit of work, their platform from the set piece has improved tremendously and is allowing them to work from structure rather than having to pull a rabbit out of the hat from open play. Now I've mentioned the youngest Barrett about a million times already, but boy has this guy been something in 2020. He looks to have been settled in the 15 jersey, and with that he's doing the mahi on both sides of the ball, especially when it comes to his kicking. Now, joining him in the limelight this week is Prop Fraser Armstrong, loose for Gareth Evans, and, of course, the aforementioned Al Moore, who at crucial stages of this fixture stuck up their hand when the moment called for it. 
As for the Chiefs though, Sawakula may not be Warren Gatlin's favourite pupil at the moment, as his team looked destined for the two points up until he committed his act of foul play. I wouldn't pin this loss on him though, as there were successive penalties given away about a quarter of an hour earlier, which allowed for the Hurricanes to regain field position and end up scoring 13 unanswered points. Now the host's slow start put them behind the April once again, only for them to again put themselves back in a position to win the game in the latter stages. The knockout punch never came for them though, while TJ was in the bin, and with that escaped their chances of winning. Lock and flankers Mitch Brown, Sam Kane, and Bo Shear were visible for much of this game and tallied 40 tackles between them, while Cruden and Stevenson shone in the backs as the pair played a part in two of their side's three dots. Moving on to the next game, we're back at home for the first time since round Toru with the Blues, who made it four wins on the trot when they mauled the Lions 43-10 on Saturday afternoon. Fans at Eden Park only had to wait eight minutes for the first meat pie, with the host using quickly recycled ball to put Rico Iwani over on the left flank. It took the Lions less than 10 minutes to even the scores though, with second five Dan Creel muscling his way over after close to a dozen waves. An exceptional set of hands from the Blues backline put Mark the Eel Talia into open pastures, who found Stephen Pedalfetta backing up in support and ended with the playmaker falling over the line next to the uprights. Now the Johannesburg based outfit went a man down before the Oranges after open side Ron Vermark stuck a hand out in the way of a begging try and gave the referee Marius van der Vesthazen no choice but to award a automatic 7 points as well as the yellow card. Iwani would bag his brace and Gerard Kelly Toyoti scored his third try in Super Rugby while Vermark was on the sidelines putting the game away with half an hour still to play. This would have stopped the Blues from keeping the pressure on though with All Black bolter Hoskins Satutu showing a neat bit of footwork to score the final try of the game after a calculated offload from winger Matt Duffy. Now the final quarter of this clash for the viewers was slightly sour after the previous 10 minutes had brought the crowd to their feet on three occasions. There were also a number of opportunities the Blues failed to convert, with two of those coming at the hands of their informed number 8. On the flip side though, the host defence was only a few shades off impeccable, only missing 12 tackles in the 80 minutes of play, with more than half of those actually coming in the first half. Now what stood out for me was their passing game, both long and short, where they were catalysts for pretty much every single one of their tries, as both the backs and forwards showed the ability to use the ball to beat the man. Now standouts for me for the boys in blue were two members of the type 5 in Sione Mafileo and Kali Toyoti, with the pair both nailing their core roles. So Tutu was up to his old tricks with over 100 run metres, inside Sam Knock and Autody Black directed play well, with the halfback especially giving his best performance in Super Rugby to date. Midfielders TJ Fayani and Iwani had a field day with their South African opposites and have taken their relationship or combination a step forward. While Talia, who from now on I'm going to call the eel due to his slipperiness, both with ball in hand, well, yeah, only with ball in hand, um, he kept Ian Foster on notice after beating a eyebrow-raising 13 defenders and also clocking up close to 80 run metres. On to my final game for the weekend, though, which closed out my coverage, obviously with the Hagawadis and Highlanders game being cancelled. I was then forced to watch the Sunwolves play the Crusaders in the relocated uh, ground of Suncorp Stadium, again in the wake of COVID-19. Unfortunately for the Wolves, though, the neutral ground did them no favours as they were trounced by the Red and Blacks 49-14. We'd have to wait close to 20 minutes for the first collection of points though, which came courtesy of a Tom Christie fiver 
after George Bridge put both he and Braden Enor in a two-on-one situation with an offload through contact. The Sunwolves Australian-born lock Ben Hine gave the insert bunny fingers home team a chance to level the scores with his try, but this was short-lived as Severis jogged in to the in goal after a missed pass from Bridge caught out a poor read from their opposite's winger. Big man Luke Romano pushed his lead out to 14, pushed the Crusaders' lead out to 14 when he burrowed over a minute into the second spell, but first five Garth April would cut the lead back to seven after he found a hole and raced away to the right of the sticks. Now a backdoor play from a pod gave Reese a mismatch on the edge and he happily attacked the space to dot down for his second, which was then followed up by a try to Suhioni Harvili, who found himself unmarked on the wing. The Crusaders were reduced to 13 at one stage, with replacement hooker Hugh Roach throwing uh, the people's elbow and receiving a red card, and then it was Reese who was being asked to take 10 on the sideline when he intensely knocked the ball down. But in the winger's defence though, what had happened is that he'd sort of come in to make the tackle, and as his arms had roped round, he sort of connected with the ball as it was being passed, and it was sort of one of those things where the referee sort of made a call from what he'd seen, but yeah, on the replay, you could sort of get where Reese was coming from when he said he was attempting to make the tackle. Uh, the cards really had no bearing on the result though as Enor crossed for his fourth five-pointer in 2020 with four minutes to go and reserve pivot Fergus Burke closing out the game with his own converted try on debut. As far as watching the Sunwolves games go, this was perhaps the most competitive outing I've seen them put together. They did a good enough job to keep the reigning champions in check for the first half of the game, but just as the Crusaders always do, they make the right adjustments when needed and they finish with a win and that it didn't really reflect the tussle of the game. The first 40 minutes were pretty ugly for the away team as handling errors and poor option taking got in the way of a, a number of pastry treats. It was almost as if the Crusaders had lowered their frequency in the opening half to that of the Japanese outfit and in doing so only managed to nab two tries. The attitude and execution did change after the break though, although the Sunwolves did their best to create opportunities for them as holes in their defensive line continually started to appear. Nonetheless though, Stan and Skipper Bridge delivered a captain's knock from the back. Second five Dallas McLeod worked hard both on and off the ball and all black lock Luke Romano was industrious in his hour of play. On now to my team of Otewiki and Kaitakoro o Tewiki, where for Tewiki Tuafitu, I have gone with Fraser Armstrong, Asafu Amor, and Sione Mafileo in the front row, where they are then backed up by Gerard Kali Tuioti and Mitchell Brown in the locks. Now on the blind side, I've gone with the Mr. Steel Pill, Lachlan Boucher, while on the open side, I've gone for the Hitman Sam Kane, and at the back, it is the All Black Bolter Hoskins Tutu. He is a familiar face at halfback in Sam Nock and at 10 in Otere Black. And at 12 and 13 in TJ Fayani and Riku Iwani. Well, on the left hand wing, I've gone for the Eel Mark Talia. And then on the right hand side, it's Shooter Sean Stevenson. And at the back, it is the Cool Living Cool Geordie Barrett. Now, my Kaitakaro o Te Wiki for Te Wiki Fitu is the Hurricanes Geordie Barrett, who is taking home his second code with Kingy Player of the Week award after only seven rounds. The fullback was seemingly everywhere for his team on Friday night and played a huge part in leaving the Tron with four competition points. He got stuck into the thick of the action from his first kick return, which was a good 30 metre run, as well as slipping into first receiver when needed, and also acting as the team's primary kicker. Now besides carrying for close to 120 run metres and also beating six defenders, he also showed off his top two inches when he leapt from outside the field of play 
caught the ball before it crossed the plane of touch and landed back in field on a Chiefs attempt to kick for touch. Now for me it's these types of one percenters and little heads up plays which can be the difference between winning and losing, which as we saw in this one ended up being a nail biter. For me as well, the Hamburglar is the future at fullback for the All Blacks, as he boasts both the prototypical frame as well as his skill set required to play at the test level. Now I know there have been questions in the past about whether or not he has the temperament to play in such an influential position, but I think that we can all agree having watched him over the past two months that we have our answer to that question. Moving on now to my Fakaro Motewakine, my shower thought to close out this seventh show. And it is a bit of a silly one, but it is inspired by the NFL. That being, what would the game look like if we had the option to go for a three-point conversion? Hear me out. In gridiron, teams have the option to kick a goal, or a field goal for one point, after a touchdown has been scored, or they have the option to go for two, in an attempt to score from a single down. Now I know this is more sort of maybe league orientated and it would sort of go away, to go against the way the game's meant to be played, but what happens is instead of having to take the shot, teams are given the alternative option of having one phase to score from either a midfield scrum or line out five metres out, which they can only attempt once. An emphasis on the once. You could only do it once in the game, so you could either save it to the end of the game or you could use it to perhaps, you know, again, deliver that knockout blow. Now, to mitigate the defensive side from, you know, flying off outside, outside, offside, or performing a deliberate piece of foul play, any penalty given away by the defensive team would automatically result in the attacking team getting that three-point conversion. Again, that would stop, you know, teams obviously, like, you know, doing stuff on purpose to perhaps get the game to restart or, you know, make the game blow out because... I understand that if we had this type of conversion, it would obviously drag on. But again, for me, I just think it would be an exciting way to close up the game. And again, I acknowledge that, you know, obviously with it only being one phase, the referee would have a tough time calling the play dead because you'd just be getting so many offloads off the deck and out of the tackle, yada, yada, yada. But again, it's just a shower thought, and it's just my thought. And I would love to know what you guys think. So again, get back to me if you think I'm being an idiot with this stuff or, you know, perhaps whether we could sort of fine-tune it to actually have it implemented in our game. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Uh, on to my kupu for this week. And obviously, having played on Saturday my last preseason game with my new club, I did a lot of passing on the weekend, being a halfback. And so I thought, well, what better word to use in this week's episode than pass, which in today is maka. M-A-K-A, maka. So yeah, try and incorporate maka into your rugby chat wherever that may be. Now, I'm sure you're all aware that Super Rugby has sort of come to a standstill in the wake of the New Zealand government calling for a 14-day isolation if you are entering the country after midnight Sunday, which would have been midnight this morning. Uh, So going forward, I'm not sure what I'm going to get up to in terms of the podcast. Obviously, I can't get you guys any content if I don't have any games to cover. But what I thought I'd do is that I'm going to keep up with the shower thoughts because those can be done regardless of whether rugby's being played. But then I'm also going to give myself some time this week to sort of think over what I can get to you guys in the meantime while there is no rugby being played. And hopefully I can come up with something in the short term to keep you guys occupied on my social media channels. Outside of that though, I hope you guys are all safe out there. Remember to be washing your hands thoroughly and keeping yourself away from anyone who could potentially have the virus or is just stick full stop. 
I hope that you guys have a good week. Obviously, it's going to be a bit weird with, you know, all this sort of stuff up in the air. But, yeah, again, stay safe, Farno, and I will catch you on the Monday of the week after Super Rugby has come back into play. Kakite.